Welcome to Marvelicious Toys. Hosted by Justin and his amazing friends, Arnie and Marjorie. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more. Because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. They're not just toys, they're Marvelicious. Hi, welcome to a special issue of Marvelicious Toys from Comic-Con. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie. And I'm Justin. How bloody are your feet? I started in a sleep deficit and with already a foot injury, and then I was stupid and did the Walking Dead escape in Petco Park. So I started out injured, and they're bloody, and I've just got stumps. I think I'm just going to get a new pair of feet. That might be my best option at this point. I hear there are some con-exclusive feet on the exhibit floor. They are a special translucent color, perfect for Justin's new feet. Excellent, excellent. I'll find those. Well, we have a lot of collectible news coming out of Comic-Con. If you've been following us on Facebook and Twitter, you probably have the highlights. But just a ton of stuff from Hasbro, Hot Toys, Sideshow, Gentle Giant, Tokidoki, and more. First stop I actually made was over by the Hallmark booth where this year they put out the Avengers ornaments with also a movie Spider-Man. Those just went on sale this past Saturday at your Hallmark Gold Crown store. Mine are waiting for me when we get back. Well, we talked to Hallmark about their ornaments for 2012 and what they had coming up in 2013. And we are here at the Hallmark booth at San Diego Comic-Con with Kevin Dillmore of Hallmark. Hello, sir. Hello. And we are looking at the keepsake ornaments that are coming out for Marvel this year. Yes, um, we've got a number of them that are coming out. Uh, they will be available in stores for Hallmark's keepsake ornament premiere weekend, which is this Saturday. And uh, they will be available at Hallmark Gold Crown stores nationwide. And you've got three different Avengers this year, plus the Spider-Man. That's correct. Yeah, we've got four Marvel ornaments. Um, the cool thing about our uh, Avengers ornaments, actually, they're all sold separately. We have Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man that are taken with their costumes from the Avengers. But they also each come with a base that equals a third of the Avengers logo. I mean, that uh, Avengers Assemble kind of thing from the movies. And when you buy the separate ornaments, when you, uh, you can piece that base together and assemble them for yourself. Very cool. Now, are there any other ornaments being held back? I know sometimes there are other ornaments that have released in October and such. Uh, no, everything that is uh, Marvel from the best of... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certain everything that's Marvel is July. We also have an amazing Spider-Man ornament. Uh, it's a uh, ornament that reflects the new costume for the movie that uh, Andrew Garfield wore. Very cool. And then you've got some sneak peeks of 2013 stuff up here. We do. That's one of the fun things that we get to bring to Comic-Con is uh, we talk to people to uh, let us know uh, what we can show off a little bit early. And uh, this year, Marvel's given us permission to talk about next year's Spider-Man ornament. So uh, we got Spidey kind of hanging off of a ledge. It's, uh, it's a very kinetic, fun view. That's one of the fun things about Spider-Man when it comes to being an ornament is that he generally hangs around. So why wouldn't you want him hanging on the Christmas tree? 
Now, with the San Diego Comic-Con, you've had exclusives at these for several years now, Star Wars exclusives, DC exclusives. Have there been thought about giving a Marvel exclusive keepsake ornament? You know, we always give a uh, good consideration to all sorts of different licenses when it comes when it comes here. Um, it really just depends on what we think is going to be a, uh, a good fit for the show. Uh, we've been excited about the stuff that we've been able to bring so far, and we never rule anything out. So I would absolutely suggest you keep looking. And then also next year, I understand there's another ornament you can tell us about. We do. Um, we actually are uh, not showing the image, but we do have a ornament for Iron Man 3. So uh, we're going to be excited to show that. Uh, it'll be in the uh, Keepsake Ornament Dream Book uh, in the spring of 2013. That likely will be the first place we'll get a chance to see it. But I can tell you we've got something planned for Iron Man 3. I've seen it, and it's pretty cool. Will it have any like electronic features or light up? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know that yet. Um, we've had Iron Man in the past to be battery operated, so you could see uh, his uh, um, center chest. Help me out, Bob. What do we? What's, yes, thanks. That's what we're talking about. Um, but uh, I'm guessing that uh, if we have uh, the opportunity to uh, bring a little bit of light and magic to it, we absolutely will. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for the time. Love the ornaments and looking forward to next year. But thanks very much for your help today. Thanks to the folks at Hallmark. But right next door to Hallmark was FX Collectibles. Yeah, there's some nice stuff over there. And now that they're venturing into the Marvel market, I'm sure that they're going to rival Hot Toys for Arnie's money. They have a, they had a really cool cap shield that I heard about over there. I, uh, Arnie, why don't you tell me about that? <laughs> yeah, wasn't it battle damage? Brian from... FX will join us in a second to talk about it. They do have a con premiere here of those three posters. Did you get a chance to check those out? Yeah, those are pretty darn sweet. And I'm not a I'm not a poster collector because I just don't have the wall space. But they're calling my name. I might I might pull the trigger on those. I loved them, and you know I wanted those when we went to the Captain America prop auction, and I'm so glad they reproduced them. And the only difference is that little Marvel tagline. Yeah, these are. Really cool. They were 15 a poster here at the con, or the full set of three for 40, so I went ahead and picked those up. But I talked to Brian because we've been seeing pictures online of the Cap Shield and the Thor's Hammer and all these Avengers props, and I wanted to know when they were coming out and, more importantly, how much they were going to cost. So here is Brian. We are here with Brian Ono of FX Collectibles showing off some of their upcoming Marvel Avengers prop replicas. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you doing? Now, I've been seeing pictures of these online. This is my first time seeing them in person. What just made you decide that Avengers was a license FX should pursue? Well, I mean, Star Wars obviously is where we started. Marvel, we thought, was a good uh, fit for our company in terms of our, our customer base. And what... When do you expect to start having these items available for pre-order? We're looking at probably later this summer. Uh, we had hoped to do it earlier, but there's been so much excitement around these items that even the executive producers are now involved in the approval process. So Kevin Feige is now included in the approval process. So it takes a little bit longer. And you've got a Cap helmet, an Iron Man helmet, a Thor helmet, Molnir, and the Cap shield. Which one's going to be going up first? Um, we're probably going to start with the Thor helmet and the, and the Thor hammer. Um, the Iron Man helmet is actually under development still because we're actually working on the mechanism. It's actually going to be motorized where the face mask will lift up. 
Very nice. Now, are all of these from Avengers, or are they from, like, the Thor from the previous Thor movies? And Actually, all the props here are from Avengers except for the Thor helmet. The Thor helmet was really act only used in the Thor movie. You see it for about five seconds at the very beginning of the movie, and then you never see it again. But everything else is from the Avengers. And with the cap shield, with the damage on it, is that accurate with the prop used on screen? Uh, that damage is when I dropped it. <laughs> so it is battle damage. And here I'm taking all these close-ups. Like, look at the accuracy. And I'm taking the chip. I'm sitting here five minutes photographing your... <laughs> yep. <laughs> what could I say? Yeah, I was taking a picture... Uh, in fact, probably the picture that a lot of people have already seen where it has a shield in the back and the helmets in the front. Everything came down. <laughs> and what are your approximate price points that you're aiming for these items? Well, we're still working with our factory on the prices, but I could give target prices. Um, the Thor hammer is, we're looking for $4.99, probably $4.99. The uh, Captain America shield is $4.99. It's a stunt version. It's a fiberglass. Um, the Thor helmet is probably $5.99. The Captain America is $5.99, but it's actually two pieces. You get the cowl, and then you get what's called the, bak the baklava underneath. And, Isn't that an Italian dessert? Uh, I think so, but that's what they told me it was called. And um, for that particular piece, we actually bought the exact material from the mill in Italy that was used in, in, uh, to, to actually make this prop. And we're also working with the screen printer who actually printed on the pattern that's seen on the, on the side. With the Captain America helmet being cloth, kind of different. What kind? Are you going to include a stand like you have here, kind of a mannequin head? It's going to have to be a mannequin head because you have to support the cloth, the the, the cloth baklava. So it'll probably be some some sort of head. And what are you targeting the Iron Man helmet at? It's, we're looking at probably eight ninety nine to nine ninety nine because of the uh, the mechanism inside. And finally, you have a very cool con exclusive here that people have sent me to come get, the replica Captain America World War II posters. Oh, actually, they're not Comic-Con exclusive. The prices. <laughs> the prices. Um, we thought we'd give uh, a special price for those at the con because it's actually our first Marvel item that we released. Granted, it's not a prop, but it is you know, a higher-end prop, but it is a prop because those posters were actually used in Captain America, the first Avenger movie. You see them in the lobby of the USO show. And you were telling me those were printed, your posters, off the same digital master files as the ones used in the movie. Right? That's correct. We were given the actual Photoshop files that was used to print the actual posters for the film. And I saw in your booth Agent Coulson's deck of Captain America cards. Right. Uh, the... What we're trying to do, and, and Marvel has allowed us to do it, is we're offering some lower-priced items that are based on props. So, you know, the Captain America, then, of course, we have Agent Coulson's uh, Captain America cards. Uh, these are the ones that he was trying to get Captain America to sign, which, I, you know, never happened. Um, but in our set, you'll get both the clean set, as it was called Near Mint in the movie, and the bloody set, in which Nick Fury used to uh, assemble the Avengers.
Well, that is very cool. It's funny because I hadn't seen this in your booth yet. And just yesterday, I was talking to the guys over at Diamond Select, and they were saying, we're not doing a Coulson figure. I said, but just think you could do the Captain America cards. We need that deck of bloody Captain America cards. And then I come over here, you guys are doing it. That's great. Right. So that's actually, and those were made from the original digital files as well. All right. Well, Brian, thank you very much for your time. These are some cool items. Thank you very much. I told Brian after the interview ends, if he can get that shield up for $4.99, not battle damaged, I will definitely be picking that up because, all right, it's not an actual movie prop, but it's also about $24,500 cheaper. I think you should get a floor model scratch and dent for a uh, discount on that one. <laughs> I agree. I think you're right, Justin. I'd go with it. I'd say it's battle damaged. I thought it was. I looked at it. I'm like, wow, that's some detail on that. They really put those scuff marks in there. But now I wonder how delicate it is. Two words. Shadow box. But that hopefully won't draw too much of my money away from Hot Toys. Marvel did reveal the Mark 8 armor. And I don't know if everybody's just jumping on the Amazing Spider-Man bandwagon, but every time a new Marvel superhero costume is revealed, all I hear is internet hate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they haven't told us what the armor is, so it could be Extremis armor, it could be the modular armor, the Bleeding Edge armor, but it's definitely movie version. And I tell you what, it looks pretty cool. I liked it. I mean, perhaps ACDC will do back in brown for this one. Yeah, people are complaining there's too much goldish brown in it. It's a little desert camo tan. Yeah, the. I mean, every time I see a picture of it, it just doesn't capture what it looks like in person. Like, the pictures make it look more gold than what it actually is, but it's, a, it's almost a tan. It's like your grandma's sedan color. <laughs> the upholstery in it. It's like a Buick. Somebody, I think Jason, posted on our Facebook wall, it was unsigned, I'll find out who you are, that Hot Toys has already billed my credit card for that one. But they did have a lot of Hot Toys on display. First, proof positive that my gantry was broken. I will come back to you, Sideshow. I buy from you for that customer service. Let's see if you can really provide it. But second of all, I saw a couple Hot Toys. The Avengers looked good. No sign of a Hulk, but the ones they showed looked damn Hot Toys. Yeah, the whole movie lineup looks great in the Avengers, and seeing them in person, it makes it makes it all that much harder to decide maybe not to get them. So I might be going all in. Not Arnie all in, but I'm getting closer. Avengers all in? I think Avengers all in. Oh, we'll make sure Chev doesn't hear this. I will block your own house IP. I appreciate that. <laughs> that if you could just intercept the credit card bills, we're all set. No, no, he just gets his own and doesn't tell her. That's what he has to do. Have it billed straight to your internet, to your email, and you're fine. Paid by PayPal. Sideshow takes PayPal. Are you, I, some guys hide a mistress. I'm hiding hot toys. That's that's kind of sad. <laughs> Sometimes hide a mistress with her hot toys. But but you said all in. They had some other hot toys on display that make me wonder how all in I am. That amazing Spider-Man I already pre-ordered. Oof. If it doesn't improve, I'm going to have to say you cancel your pre-order. There's something really wrong with it. The torso looks really funny. It's just, it's not right. And his costume... Just, it doesn't look right. It looks like, I hate to say this, a Tonner doll. 
Yeah, the whole thing looks like they used bleach in the wash. You know, they didn't use cheer with color guard in it. I mean, it's pink and light blue, and it just does not have the hot toy quality that you would expect. And, and speaking of that, what was next to him was a Captain America that was truly awful. It looked like he was wearing pajamas. That one is supposed to look like that. That's his USO outfit. But you know what? It just does not translate into a hot toy because in the movie it's kind of funny as a hot toy. It just looks like, uh, I don't know, a glorified U.S. agent or whatever. What's that line? Captain Action. Captain Action. That's right. Yeah, like an old Mego. That's what it looks like. That's exactly what I saw. I had Mego Captain America as a kid. I recently sold him for parts because, like, his legs were broken off at the knee, still, like, hanging in there. I, the blue on this USO Captain America is just like the blue on that Mego Captain America. And I'm like, oh, ew. That's, I, it's, ew. Let's let's talk briefly about the the hot toy that wasn't on display this year. Where was Ironmonger, Arnie? You already pre-ordered him, didn't you? They tell me September. They tell me he's coming in September. Well, let's hope. I mean, why would they not have him on display? That's got to be one of their most asked about, most, uh, I'd say, sought-after Iron figure beyond the new Hulk coming out. I can't imagine what would be more popular than that. Yeah, but there's not even any foreplay. It's July, almost the end of July, and he ain't coming anywhere anytime soon. I think enough said on that, but maybe he's on a boat. You know, last year what they showed was a model, a mock-up, a prototype. Maybe the actual ones really are on a boat, and they didn't want to show the mock-up because they've made improvements. That's why it took nine months longer and so they didn't want to show something not representative of the quality of the final piece while at the same time not having the final piece in hand to show that's very very possible that's very possible but every hot toy in there aside from the couple that we talked about the spider-man and the uso cap they're they're really calling my name the jeremy renner face on hawkeye is incredible in person that's the first time i've seen it in person they they nailed it they really did. The Black Widow, first of all, they unzipped her for the display case, which I found quite amusing. They didn't for the official photos, but for the display case, they decided clavage was the way to go. You know, it is Comic-Con. Cleavage is apparently in at Comic-Con. Yeah, even for you guys. Are you saying my deep V-neck is too deep? Yes, it is. But with the face on Black Widow, if I look at it, it looks great. And then if I look at it again, it looks bug-eyed and wrong. Yeah, I can see that. Once again, con setting, con lights, you know, it's hard to focus, literally. Like, sometimes your eyes go wonky. There's so much to look at and so many glares coming off of things. So it's hard to tell, but I would say it's going to be all right. These lights in here are flattering to no one, whether you're a plastic or whatever. So you can't judge it by here. And there are people here flesh, there are people here plastic, and there are some people here whatever. So the light's bad for us all. The one hot toy piece that really impressed me, Avengers Cap Shield. That thing was so chromed out. It was blinging and nice. Wow, super shiny, almost mere finish shiny. Pictures just can't do it justice. Hopefully some of the pictures we got can show a little bit, but when you see it with your own eyes, it's it's the selling point of that figure, I believe. 
And no sign of a Hulk, but we did see Iron Man Mark 7, which was looking nice. I imagine that thing's ready to go for pre-order maybe before this show gets out. Yeah, and no real surprises there. It's yet another Iron Man. It looks just like the movie version. And, you know, I mean, it's probably going to have the light-up arc reactors and hands and eyes just like all the other Iron Men. So I might have to get that one, too. But... Those were at the Sideshow booth, Sideshow being the U.S. distributor. Sideshow had a ton of stuff on display. Head to MarveliciousToys.com for all the photos of the hot toys, the premium formats, the life-size bus, the legendary scale bus. But the thing that's got me weeping is that movie Hulk maquette. Yeah. Wow. That was pretty incredible. It looks, the facial likeness is just tremendous, I think. The detail in the musculature and the veins and the base where they have the Hulk footprints ground in. But don't you feel kind of bad for Mark Ruffalo because he's not going to get anything really with his likeness. He's just going to get the Hulk, which vaguely looks like him, like the same eyebrows. And every other Avenger gets something. I mean, Iron Man has unmasked stuff. If we can't get a Tony Stark in just a regular old suit, I don't think we're going to get a Ruffalo in his teacher suit, you know? <laughs> Kids like science, damn it. What about in the outfit he borrows when he rides up on the moped? <laughs> That's a possibility. That's a real possibility. <laughs> but they call this uh, maquette. This is obviously a premium format, but because it's so much polystone, they're calling it a maquette, but it is scaled exactly with their premium format Thor. Easy pass. Their premium format Captain America. Yeah, it's nice, but and then their premium format Black Widow, which I did wait list, and Hulk's hand is right there to be grabbing her, you know, for reenact that chase scene if that wait list comes through. I gotta see my guess on a price on that is nine hundred. Holy shnikes, really? For something that big, when they did the Iron Man Mark VI comic cat, that was around seven ninety nine. So I'm thinking the eight to nine hundred range. Yeah, I guess so. It's, I mean, it's huge. It's really big, and it's got to be really heavy. The base alone is huge. I mean, the base has got so much detail in it. It's got broken ground. Hulk's feet are dug into the ground from where he jumped down, and cracks coming out from it. It's. It's a huge piece, and I'd say about 900 is going to be a pretty good guess. I guessed a little bit higher. I was saying 1200 but Arnie knows his price is better than me. Speaking of large pieces, they had a couple others. I got to see that life-sized Iron Man Mark Seven bust, and I got to say, it's too big for me. It really is, but for what you get, 800 is a great price for all that light-up. I hope the final one has a light-up arc reactor. I'd have to check Sideshow's site. That was the disappointing thing. Is It was just a painted-on arc reactor. Yeah, the arc reactor is painted on, and the, the red paint didn't look all that metallic-y, so I'm hoping you know they can get that a little closer to movie accurate before the final on that one. And then they also had that giant Galactus that we sent out a sales to astonish on. I was thinking, oh my god, a three-foot Galactus, switch out heads, switch out heralds. I was really looking forward to this. Marjorie was really not looking forward to paying for it. But then we had like a Freaky Friday moment when we got here, because I looked at it and went, oh. And you? I went, oh. I just, and again, we just talked about con scale, but 
to me, I expected a three-foot Galactus to just be towering. And yes, if I put my Marvel Universe figures around, it would tower over them. But when I'm carrying a four-foot helicarrier through the con, all of a sudden a three-foot, just slightly under Galactus, becomes a bit underwhelming. I understand, but again, it's perspective. And I'm not saying that you need to buy it. I was just saying I really wasn't thinking it would be much, and then I saw it, and I'm like, wow, actually, that looks really decent. The colors are great, and I really like the interchangeable heads. I'm not saying you have to buy it, but it, like, if it goes on clearance or something and doesn't sell out, by all means, pick up a bargain, but not full price. Yeah, and it's it's super-duper shiny. I mean, I don't know how they got that much metallic going on there, but it's not overly done. I mean, you look at it from a bunch of different angles, and it doesn't feel overdone. But my favorite part is the little tiny silver surfer that's coming out of his hand with a swoosh of, you know, smoke coming off of him. It really gives some scale to the piece, you know? You're right. I think that was a really, really great touch, and the way they did it, it was subtle, yet when you saw it, you're like, oh, that rocks, because I didn't see it at first. And then the next thing I thought was that shit's going to (laughs) break. They had the premium formats out there, and that could be just a dangerous line, the comic-style premium format. They put so many out. They just announced the Vision to go with the Scarlet Witch. Both of those are looking good. The Rogue, which is gift card eligible, is kind of calling to me. But, oh, boy, what a bad road. And... They're cool because they're comic versions versus the movie versions, which the Hot Toys are, but they do take a lot of space. Yeah, that's a line that I'm glad has not bitten me yet because there's some that look great, there's some that look okay, and they're so big and so pricey that all I can do is sit back from afar and admire the ones that I like. What about the Deadpool, though? Deadpool's on there. They showed the Deadpool premium format. He's choking his chicken. Yeah, he is pretty awesome, and he got his face so perfect. He's got such a great facial expression on there, but I'm I'm still holding my ground. If it looks like a statue, I pretty much walk away. But uh, that Deadpool is going to be tough to say no to. Like Marjorie says, there's always the gift cards. There's always the gift cards. Here's the thing. Not everything is going to sell out instantly. It goes on sale. And you will be able to pick up bargains. And I really suggest people watch for that. I mean, you obviously know, like, the Iron Man and Spider-Man, those kinds of things will sell out immediately. But these, some of these second-tier characters, yeah, they have their big, rabid fan base. But a lot of times, you can catch things on sales. But Deadpool has a fan base rivaled only by Boba Fett for that type of second-tier character. The key is, if you're okay without the exclusive edition, if they make the exclusive edition, if you don't need the BFG, you're fine with just the chicken, and you, or you don't need the art prints or what have you, you know, that's the stuff that oftentimes you're able to find, if not primary market, secondary market at a good base. But you said you stay away from statues. What about minibus? Because we went over and talked to the guys at General Giants, and they had some nice, nice stuff on display. Yeah, I mean, the Deadpool family stuff caught my eye right away. We reviewed it on the show a little bit earlier when it when it first was announced. And listen to the interview we got coming up. There's there's something that's going to drive some of you completionists a little bit crazy revealed in there. 
We are here with Greg Crafts at the Gentle Giant booth. Hello again, sir. Hey, how are you guys? And we are taking a look at the new Marvel product you've got on display. Oh, yeah. No, we got a lot of great stuff from Marvel on display here this year. Really exciting time to be a Marvel fan and a Gentle Giant collector. Um, you know, we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff on display, some old, some new, uh, and some I just can't wait to talk about. Uh, first off, we brought back our Hawkeye statue and our Ghost Rider statue. First off, we have our Hawkeye on Sky Cycle statue. It's a great piece. Uh, what I love about our artisans here is that they are really great about capturing the essence and the attitude of characters and really giving the pieces personality uh, when they put them when, when they put them together. So it's really fun seeing what they come up with. And I just love, just like every detail is nailed from the different arrowheads to the, the shaft of the arrow gridded between his teeth, you know, to the smoke plume that the Sky Cycle actually stands on on the base. Uh, Question on that. Is that still an in-production piece or is that final? That, that, is, uh, that is final and it's in production right now and it's going to be getting released very soon. Okay, so the uh, the brush strokes on the A, that'll be on the final model? That should be, yeah. Okay. Yep, I believe so. All right. Yep, and then we've got uh, the, the Ghost Rider statue. Like I said, this is Ghost Rider out of the road to damnation. I know when we first uh, revealed this piece, there was a little bit of a backlash from the Marvel community going, like, that doesn't look like Ghost Rider. <laughs> and I'm, and uh, I wanted to inform them that actually it is Ghost Rider. It is Ghost Rider from the Road to Damnation graphic novel. It's a very specific style uh, that we wanted to capture, and I think they nailed it. The guys worked uh, really hard on it from the style of the bike all the way down to the details on Ghost Rider himself. Uh, and the base does light up. We can't, unfortunately, display that in the booth here, but it does light up and it is a really fun feature to be able to take a look at. Is it like an orange lighting? Yeah, it's an orange lighting that comes up from below. Uh, and then we actually are adding two new bookends to our collection. We've got the Venom bookend and the Wolverine bookend. And these go, uh, these are the same scale and size and spirit as the Hulk and Thing bookends, which we uh, both shipped out recently. Uh, very excited to get them out to collectors finally. And now these two new ones are going to be coming very soon to add to that collection. Uh, the Wolverine bookend, I love the fact that we did Wolverine right away because now we can pair them with the Hulk bookend. And you can actually take the braces out and put them into the base whichever side that you want. So you could actually figure out how you want to display your bookends. Or you could leave the bases out and have a nice statue or diorama. So, And with Venom, any plans for a Spider-Man down the line for the other side of that? I'm just going to smile and nod. Okay. Well, yeah. that's a nod. So, yep, there's reasons why we pick some of the guys that we do, and it's because they're interesting toeholds into the larger uh, larger genres. So, yeah, uh, being the 50th anniversary of Spider-Man and everything, I would definitely say keep an eye out for more Spidey stuff. All right. Yep. Uh, now, moving over to the next case here, we are in our minibus area now. We've got Moon Knight, who we announced a while ago, Mark Spector himself. Uh, this is the Servant of Khonshu Egyptian-style Moon Knight, as opposed to the more modern versions that have been uh, populating recently. Uh, it's awesome to see this piece. I think that, uh, unfortunately, the angle that they put him at kind of sucks because he's a really wide piece. But uh, the detail on him is absolutely, absolutely phenomenal, from the flowing cape to the uh, to the to the crescent dart to just I, I don't know. You, like I said about attitude and spirit earlier, they really nailed the menacing essence of the Marvel's Batman, almost. You know. Mm -hmm. So, and then next to him is the Venom minibus, and yeah, he just looks flipping creepy. He looks really good. I like the detail in the arms there with the musculature and yeah. the lines they, on the they, spider. They, they based the they based the sculpt uh, for Venom on me, actually. You know. <laughs> No, I, I wish, see this resemblance. Yeah, I wish I looked like that. No, uh, it's no. the teeth, right? Exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, they're all filed down and. <laughs> um, yeah, no, everything from the tongue all the way down to the the, the claws. Uh, 
the veins on the arms and everything. I mean, they really, really nailed like the menacing. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to eat your brain. Venom. You know. Yeah, old school Eddie Brock. Totally, totally. Uh, now, what I'm really excited about in this case, though, are the uh, Avengers uh, mini busts that we've done from the Avengers movie. We've got the Avengers Iron Man Deluxe. That's another one that lights up. Unfortunately, once again, we can't display it because the batteries won't last that long for for it to be on the floor for so long. Uh, and then we've got the very Mark Ruffalo-esque Hulk Aven- uh, Avengers mini bust. And mini bust is a complete misnomer for this piece. That thing is huge. It's flipping yes. huge. It is ridiculously big. It's a macro bust. Almost. Yeah, it's, it is a macro bust. I mean, that, that should be the terminology for it. But when you scale it, it is a mini bust. But dear lord, you could club somebody with like a baby seal with that thing. Just bah, you know. Now, I noticed General Giant's logo in the end credits of the Avengers. Is this based off of the actual digital scans? Yes. Yep, uh, we actually did some of the post on, on Avengers, and we did contribute uh, scanning, and we contributed some post-production uh, CGI efforts and effects, and we did use those to inform the designs of the uh, the bus. Yeah, because, I mean, that looks exact. I, I, have, I cannot find any flaw with that Hulk whatsoever. Yeah. The bust is pending approval, and from what I understand, there may be a couple of very small changes to it uh, before it comes out, but what you're seeing here is going to be very close to the final product, so it's uh, we're, we're very satisfied with where it's going, and our collectors so far have been reacting really well to it, too. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen the right color green on any of the movie version Hulks. I mean, right? nobody has hit it right yet, and this is, this is the first time I've seen it like that. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, you know? <laughs> Now we've got the Hawkeye mini bust, and once again, the guy, our, our artisan's eye for detail, I think, just shines. Uh, they really went out of their way to make sure they got all the arrowheads right. We had we had this on display last year, but we didn't have the arrows on display, and I thought that was a major mistake on our part to be able to show off the different. We've got five different arrowheads. He comes with ten arrows, five different arrowheads. They're all loose in the quiver, and you can actually interchange the one whatever he's got knocked in his hand on the bust. I think that's just phenomenal. And they, I actually watched as these guys pulled out those old Marvel character files uh, and found the Hawkeye entry, found the, the the details on all the arrowheads and made sure that they were exact and accurate to what the comic book displays. It's nice. Yeah, they, they went out of their way to make sure this was, like, nailed it. That's a very cool piece. Well, thank you. I can't wait for it to be on my bookshelf. I, I, seriously, you know? My wife, you know, keeps yelling at me, going like, you can't bring your work home. I'm like, I love you, honey. <laughs> And then you've got the Deadpool core set here. Indeed we do. Indeed we do. Flanked by Deadpool and Lady Deadpool, we have uh, Kidpool, Headpool, Squirrelpool, who's our contribution to the Marvel Universe, and Kidpool, uh, Dogpool, Headpool, Squirrelpool, and Kidpool. Yes, I got them all. And uh, uh, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, it feels like sometimes. It's like, all right, how, how does this work? Uh, and then uh, behind them is actually a bazooka uh, and several uh, automatic rifles that you can actually, that are a weapon accessory pack that you can strap on to your Deadpool bust. So you can make your Deadpool, your regular edition Deadpool bust, look even more intimidating and uh, loaded for bear than he already does. Excellent. Yeah. Now, on the Deadpool corpse set, is there any difference in the squirrel pool from last year's It's exclusive? a paint variant. It's Very a paint nice. variant. Actually, the, the one in the box set actually has a has gold katana handles, and the one uh, that was the release here at Comic-Con had brown. Just so enough to drive us crazy, huh? That's what we're good at. <laughs> you ask some of our collectors, and they'll say, yes, yes, you are very good at driving us crazy. And I'm like, well, you know, yes, yes, we are. So, 
That's a great set. Having seen in person for the first time now, that's that's a great set. Yeah. No, the, the having the four busts in the weapon pack and, and the box in the De uh, Deadpool core box set is fantastic, and it goes great with your regular release Deadpool and your AFX exclusive Lady Deadpool. So awesome. both of which are still available right now. So you know you can actually get the complete set. It's pretty cool. And I might just. I hope so. <laughs> All right, well, this is some great stuff you have on display. Can you hint at anything else that might be coming in the next six months? Any, are, are you still pursuing the Avengers movie license further, even though the movie's you know, ending its theatrical run? Well, you know, actually, the funny thing is, is that you, you say Avengers movie license. Uh, it's all part of the Marvel license for us. So it, we, we have the green light to go and pursue more Avengers minibus. Now, of course, we've done Marvel cap, uh, I mean, movie cap. Granted, that was uh, the Captain America movie minibus. Uh, but we've done movie Thor as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we've got Iron Man and Hulk. And uh, right now, uh, that only leaves the Black Widow and Loki and uh, Hawkeye for us to cover. And I would actually say, Venture, you know, allow me to be so bold as to say, you will, believe it or not, you will actually see one of the new Avengers minibuses at C6. Nice. Yeah. Also, as an exclusive here, speaking of Marvel Minibus, you have a Blade 2 set with a Reaper. We do. We do indeed. And actually, that's not a Marvel bust. That is uh, the, the Reaper uh, The Reaper Minibus. Came, uh, it, it's an opportunity that came up because we're good friends with Guillermo Del Toro, the director of Blade 2. And uh, we had this opportunity to do a pack-in with the Blu-ray release and do a special edition. And we had one of our top sculptors uh, take a crack at doing the Reaper. And the bus came out fantastic. We did the pack-in, and now actually Guillermo will be signing at our booth tomorrow. He'll be autographing copies of the Blade to uh, the collector's edition. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, 1 to 2.30 tomorrow. And you've also got the Thanos minibus here. Yes, we do. We've got comic book Thanos here, complete with the Infinity Gauntlet and all the gems, ready to wreak havoc upon the universe. Given his spotlight in Avengers, why limit him to such a low production number? Well, you know, we do limited edition high-end collectibles. That's what we do. And we can't make them, you know, we can't make them too easy to get. That's part of what keeps them desirable. So, you know, we don't want to flood the market so much. So that's why we keep these limited edition. And I'll tell you, Thanos is flying off the shelves. He's the one that we're having the hardest time keeping in stock. All right. Well, Greg, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure, guys. Seriously, thank you. And we're here with Dan Luan of Kotobukiya. Hey, Arnie, how are you doing? Very good. I am just impressed. We are looking at your Marvel Fine Art series of statues here, and there are three brand new ones, one of which I saw the art for just last week, one of which a while ago, and one of which, if it had been shown, I missed the Venom there. Yeah, we. Uh, I think we showed the Venom uh, possibly last year, but it's it's been it's been a while. Um, the sculptor has just been cranking these out as fast as he can, but but you know keeping the quality to the level that we need them at. So we've got our Venom piece to uh, complement our Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, we also have Cyclops, which is part of our Danger Room session. But as you'll note, the base is a little different from our previous releases. So we're going to be coining this version 2.0. And it's still in line. He's still on the Sentinel piece. This one, the very recognizable Sentinel head. Yeah. A great detail. And, um, you know, we were thinking of maybe adding a light-up for the visor. But I think we're going to keep it as it is, you know, and just let the statue stand on its own rather than adding, you know, a gimmick of a, of a light-up feature. Sometimes they work really well, but I think in this case we're going to leave it as is. And then you've got Daredevil there who is just looking phenomenal. I know he's really a fan-loved character. 
the art for that had a sword in the base. It did. Uh, we decided to take that out just because of breakage issues. Um, but yeah, a stunning piece. And, and we feel that Daredevil, uh, we're going to see a lot of momentum in 2013 with him. So, uh, you know, we're really excited to be offering this uh, piece uh, and showing it for the first time. And then you've got your Avenger series, and this is my first good look at that Hawkeye piece that was put up for pre-order just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we've got Hawkeye. I believe that's a factory sample, so consumers can uh, expect to get that type of detail and, and just paint apps uh, from our uh, pieces that they purchase. Um, and, you know, we're really excited about building out our Avengers team, so, you know, you can expect another character to be added to this, you know, very soon. Uh, no official announcements at this time, but uh, we're, we're totally committed to, you know, fleshing this team out to its fullest. And speaking of teams, you've also got the X-Force series, who just had a new member announced in your Wolverine statues. Yeah, you know, a lot of the uh, fans and collectors have been saying, look, we love your X-Force line, but we need a leader. So it was time we gave him a leader. So we've got our Wolverine. Uh, he'll come with two alternative portraits, so you can have a masked or unmasked. And then outside of the team series, you mentioned it before, the Spider-Man is on display here as well. Yes, yes. And we've uh, we've had a great response to this piece. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's expected with the movie uh, coming out this year. So um, we're real excited uh, to offer it. And is that the final paint that's yes. going to be on there? Because yes. I like the metallic on the blue there. That oh, yeah. Use. Yeah, yeah. Um, our factories, we, we've definitely been pushing them uh, to, you know, take it to the next level and, and get those paint apps that collectors expect and demand for these type of pieces. And with the Bishojo line, the ever-popular Bishojo line here, you've got three exclusives at the con today, two here at the Kotobukiya booth and then one over at the AFX booth. You've got we do. Black Widow, you've got the white costume Storm, and then the X-Force X-23. That's correct. Our, uh, our San Diego exclusive uh, is X-23 in her X-Force uh, outfit, so to speak. It's, it's, it's a... It's a it's a take on it. I know that some fans have been saying, well, why doesn't she have her mask on? But, um, you know, this is this piece came about from uh, collector feedback, too. You know, our first release had her in a more gentle type of uh, state. And, you know, fans said, well, that's not really X-23. So we wanted to, you know, offer her again with a little more rage. So this is our uh, Comic-Con exclusive. Uh, White Costume Storm is, is an exclusive, uh, a first time available here at Comic-Con. And uh, as you said, Black Widow in Grey Costume is, again, an uh, Action Figure Express exclusive. Now, I've been watching the stuff you've been doing with the DC line there, and there were just recently a couple of uh, statues announced with the Superman and the Green Lantern there, which I thought were a nice complement to the Bishojo in the DC line. Have you thought about doing anything in the Marvel line, like in the Art FX plus scale, with masculine heroes that people could put in the same kind of scale with the Bishojo female it, It's definitely something that, personally, I would love to see, but it all comes down to licensing, and that particular license at this time just may not be available to us. Okay, and can you give us any hints at what the future of the Marvel Bishojo line is? Um, you can expect to see maybe a possible member of the X-Force team come up next, and that's all I can say. All right, well, Dan, thank you very much for the time. Thank you, Arnie.
I did also talk to our good friend Zach Oat over at Diamond, where they had a bunch of Marvel Selects on display. They've got a new Venom coming out that is just phenomenal with alternate heads. It's got a Todd McFarlane head, as well as a more modern head with a removable tongue, and it looks good with or without tongue inserted. It's got a great amount of detail. It's a little bit smaller than the big figures, but it's it really kicks. Yeah, it's really awesome looking. And as a Venom fan, I really appreciate all the detail that went into the teeth and the mouth and the eyes. It's And he's got a great pose, too. He looks really menacing and ready to pounce. So I'm looking forward to that one myself. I also saw the Storm figure as an articulation slut, Justin. You're going to love she has double-hinged knees and all kinds of articulation. But there are... There is a chase variant of her, packed one per case, that has the more short, like a bob. There is also a ton of various stuff on display there. Check out all the photos. We're going to be going into quite a bit of detail on it. I did see their seventh Hulk. We talked about that with the various Hulks. Uh, what they said is Hulk sells, Hulk moves. They have to keep reissuing the Hulks, so they're going to give fans what they want, which is another Hulk. Yeah, I mean, if that's the guy that keeps the line moving, then why not? I can I can agree with that. But Zach told me that you're not alone. He said there are a lot of people, about 50-50, there are people who buy selects because they like selects, and then there are people who buy selects because they're big figures that augment their Marvel Legends collection. And yeah, honestly, I think they've realized that, you know? I mean, they've they've shown us over the last year or two that they're really trying to trying to make those bigger figures stick more in the Marvel Legends scale than within their own scale, which is, hey, perfectly okay by me. And then finally, we headed over to Tokidoki. Last year, Marjorie was in a Tokidoki frenzy. Literally. And they did not have Frenzy Series 2, which made Marjorie sad, but my wallet happy. Yeah, that means I didn't have to spend the whole time opening blind box things. You did get their exclusive shirt. I did. It's uh, panels made up of all their... Uh- existing Marvel Tokidoki shirts. And they also had an exclusive hat, which was Spider-Man swinging in front of buildings. And you talked to the girl there. She said that a series of two of Marvel frenzies could neither be confirmed nor denied, but if they did one, it would be a little different. So that's one of those pseudo-confirmations that you kind of get. I also asked about Marvel handbags, because I would totally buy all of those, and she said it was a possibility. But let's talk about the big boy here, and that is Hasbro with that super helicarrier. Limit one per person. So a big shout-out to Marjorie and Barrent and Tobiah for helping me get the four I need so I can have a five-foot helicarrier, a four-foot helicarrier, and a three-foot helicarrier on which to display all my MU figures. It might sound a little excessive to you, but it is. Yes, it is excessive, and it was my idea, so I can't really get mad. And i got to back both of you up because you're not the only ones thinking that. Even the Hasbro panel went ahead and said, hey, if you want a big playset and you got some extra money burning the hole in your pocket, you can build the biggest toy ever made by buying a whole bunch of super helicarriers and just keep snapping them together. So it's only up to you how big you want to go. Did you have to repeat that, Justin? Well, we did record it, so it's it's on, on the record. Did you happen to tell them that we did exactly that? <laughs> well, it was during the Q&A, and they are already talking to some kid about it. But I think, uh, I think that's the whole idea is that the idea is out there now, 
and we might have to go back to the Hasbro line and get 10 or 15 more of them. Now, you were a little on the fence about getting this. You went right over the fence first night. <laughs> well, you know, the glitz and the glamour of being on the con floor cause sometimes gets to you, and everybody else is doing it. I kind of went along with the peer pressure, you know? It was like an ABC after-school special. Come on, Justin. All the cool kids are buying helicarriers. I think for me, I was I was using logic a little too much. I was worried about shipping it home and all that stuff. But eventually, you know, collecting collectoritis got to me, and I said, what the hell? Let's just pull the trigger and get it. Well, the question I wanted to ask Hasbro is, why such a small exclusive? You know, why not just go like a life-size one-to-one figure for Comic-Con? Something to really make me have to drag it through the floor. And, you know, Justin was right to be worried about the shipping because we shipped one just to see how much it was. And it was shipped from our hotel, which had a surcharge, but it ended up being $86 to ship. The surcharge was only 12 of that. So base shipping with UPS, the cheapest they could do, was $76, and that's because of the length. And they that was the they said no matter what, that was the cheapest. Now, we did find out later the U.S. Post Office could do it around 30 parcel post. Yeah, but that means you'll get it in, like, four months. Okay, it saves sixty dollars. I think I can live with that. And actually, if you use USPS, they might actually open it up and float it down the river until it gets to your town, and then they'll deliver it. So, I don't know how how good of condition it's going to be when it shows up. And that was I want to stress: we spent eighty six shipping one of them, not eighty six shipping four of them. We just shipped the one. I just took it down there as an experiment. Again, it's a four-foot toy, folks, so I didn't really feel like carrying it back, and I was kind of of the mindset it's not like any place else is going to be much cheaper. I was wrong. There were places much cheaper, but that was the first stop for shipping on it. Now, we did get a chance to talk to the Hasbro Marvel brand team about the toys that we got to see in the case and upcoming. All right, we are here at the Hasbro booth talking Marvel with Adam and Dwight from the Marvel brand team at Hasbro. Hello, sirs. Hello. How are you doing today? Good, thanks. So let's start by talking about the Marvel Legends. you got a lot of new ones on display here. Three waves in one year after it took a bit of a break. So what's going on with that line, and what can we expect to see with distribution and releases going forward? Um, well, we, uh, as, as you said, we're showcasing uh, the first three waves of this year, and we're also showing a sneak peek into 2013. Uh, wave 1 is on display here as well, uh, with some fantastic new fan favorites, as well as some other classics and moderns mixed in together. Uh, got Hyperion Sentry, uh, Double She-Hulks, Betty and Lyra. Uh, Archangel in his classic colors, Hitmonkey, uh, mini Hitmonkey. Uh, we're, we're doing a, we're, we're mixing it up on you guys. We've done the super big builders, we've done the middle builders. Now we're going to go for minis for a year. So uh, the first one is a Hitmonkey, as shown at the con, uh, and he will be broken out into the different assortments into three pieces, I believe, uh, for the wave. And you have uh, who else? We got we got Protector and Iron Fist and Ultimate's Captain America and a uh, X-Force Wolverine. So that's a that's just the first wave. That's just one. All of that, and it's just one. <laughs> now you did three this year. What are you looking at slating for next year? Thirty-two. 
32 total figures. No, 32 waves. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that might be a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, we'd like that, but uh, right now I think we're looking at uh, trying to match the uh, three waves from this year uh, and, and uh, drop that on you guys next year with a little bit better spacing between. Yes. Over at the Diamond Distribution booth, we saw Wave 1 and 2 of Legends, and we're wondering what kind of distribution deal, because normally you guys are direct to the retailers, and the people at Diamond Distribution, all they could basically say is, well, if it's in our booth, we're distributing it. So are some of those older figures from the earlier in this year being redistributed through Diamond that says availability fall? We haven't we haven't started any redistribution of our first two waves, but we're definitely going to look at that for the back half of the year. Um, that's something we know. We know that we left some fans waiting, uh, waves one and two, because, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, we, we knew Legends would be popular, and we hear the, uh, from the most passionate fans that they're going to get them, but we need to go deeper than that to make this work, and they did do that, and they, they really sold out fast, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna re-release some of those waves, I think, towards the back half of the year, and we will, we will, we will do that with, with all of our partners. We won't pick one partner over another for that. One of the figures that just came out that we were able to find is the big-time Spider-Man figure. And it looked very different at retail than the one you have here on display in the case. Is it fair to say that we were surprised by that as well? Uh, we got the first round of samples in. Uh, we had a couple adjustments that needed to be made. We asked for those to be adjusted. And someone got happy, happy, crazy. And uh, they decided to go a little overboard and... Uh, a little heavy on the uh, glow, perhaps, is what you're uh, referencing there. Uh, yeah, we, we, we caught that, too. It, it wasn't asked for. Um, I can say when you're doing more complex deco ops uh, that involve oversprays, which are done by hand, so those are all applied individually, you know, one at a time, uh, as well as, you know, things called floating masks and other things, it's, it's a... It's not necessarily more uh, complex, but it does take a, a finer hand to match the uh, master paints that are done uh, at Hasbro itself. And when we make our samples that you see sometimes at the cons and such, they're you know created by master hand painters that are you know the best of the best, which is why we're lucky enough to have them. When you go into a production run, sometimes things get a little bit uh, harder con to control, and that's something we noticed on that figure. Um, we knew we had. Uh, to watch to watch it and we have asked for it to be addressed and to Adam's points about the distribution that we're working to get cleaned up and get these things back out there um, we're hoping that the, those adjustments have been made on these figures as they come out now chance there's a chance we'll see it right yes <laughs> yes there's there's a chance <laughs> I want to move back to the uh, mini build a figure real quick now are we gonna be able to see which pieces come with the characters are they gonna be blind packed or are you gonna know how the, how they're coming out I, I believe we're planning to show them similar to as we did with the, the Terax uh, figure and, and actually call out so uh, people can notice and see exactly what they're getting in every purchase now uh, also similar to how we did last year we worked with our with our partners to make sure that we uh, don't drag you guys through too many hot coals. So that being said, we put the build. We broke the builder figure into only three parts this year. So that's for wave one. Uh, as the builder figures vary throughout the course of the year, it may alter that. But for Hitmonkey, I believe we're planning to break him into three segments and put him with the more uh, fan salivating figures. So, for instance, in that wave, we're planning for Hyperion and Sentry, which is a swap. The She-Hulks and the Avengers uh, with the 
protector packs to be the sets with the builder pieces. That way, similar to as we were trying to do last year, the Wolverines, uh, Archangels, and Caps will not come with a piece. That way, if you're satisfied with the amount of Wolverines and Caps you already have, you don't need to go out and purchase those to complete the Build-A-Figure. We hope you do. Um, we expect a lot of people will, but we're not requiring it to complete your set. We hear these questions a lot about, yes. about Wolverine and Cap. It's really important to keep those characters in the line for a lot of reasons, but more importantly, the purpose of Legends, outside of satisfying a very rabid fan base, is to bring new collectors into the experience. And this, the, with the way the sculpts look and with the popularity of all the entertainment, it's a perfect scale to bring new collectors in. And we need, we need, we all need new collectors. We all need them. The fans do. Hasbro needs them. Marvel needs them because we want to keep Legends an ongoing promise, not something that's going to go away after a period of time. And so we need those fan favorites. Um, and they don't all, they don't want the older stuff. A lot of them want the newer stuff and the newer looks. And, and, and we'd like to get some kids into this as well. We know this is not kid scale. Typically. It's kid scale, but it's not kid price point. Um, but the kids see those and they, they get into them. And then we add to that collector community. And we love that. And, and, and on top of that, I mean, the the techniques of development have changed considerably since when this brand was uh, uh, created in the olden days by uh, Toy Biz, which is now Marvel, which is now you know just an, a great partner. So, uh, which is also now Disney. Yeah, right. So you know, it's just you know, stack, stack, stack. It's a it's Jenga world. Uh, but that being said, things can be done so much more efficiently and at a higher level now than you know back when we had it at the early part which, you know, we had our ups and downs, and, and, as, and likewise with Toy Biz. So the chance to take some of those old classics, while you may have them, we think we can still take those same costumes and update and give them, a, a hopefully, a more superior replacement for your shelves. Now, looking at the smaller scale of figures, Marvel Universe kind of seemed to have taken a little bit of a back seat this year to the Avengers. There haven't been as many waves of Marvel Universe this year as previous years. Can you give us an idea of what you have in mind going forward with that line? Um, we're planning to, it, right now, uh, our Marvel Universe brand as a whole, Legends and the three and three quarter inch, are both performing very well for us. Uh, you, you mentioned that it, was, it took a back seat. That is, honestly, that's not the case. We were continuing to develop the whole way, and this also took uh, a hit due to some uh, distribution hiccups that we, we faced. So while you guys haven't been able to get a hold of them, the waves have been creating and being built, you know, so we have two or three waves now in the queue that we're ready to pull the trigger on and you know you'll have now you're going to be actually yelling at us for the exact opposite thing in a month and a half and you're exactly. saying my wallet yeah. is empty and you keep hitting new figures out on the shelves so I think, I think one thing that did happen as we step back now and look back over the past you know couple months is that when when legends launched at retail the the buyer base shifted their attention and yes. when the buyer base shifts their attention even for a short period of time it's going to cause the little bit of backup and so we're waiting for that you know that's going to clear up and that's going to open the, the kind of the gate for the new ways because once we ship them to the retailers we, we kind of lose control and they're, they're in a kind of last in first out situation so they're holding on to that stock waiting for the other stuff to push through and so i think we're, we're very close to being clear with that and there's a lot of great ways coming you know everyone everyone knows what those products are because we've been talking about them for a year um and and now that you know now that we're able to we're starting to balance the waves a little more with the legends and um, we hope that everyone can get both. 
Yeah, I mean, they all, they all look great, and so we're all going to be grateful to be able to get a chance to get them. Um, I had one quick question about it, though. We had one wave that had Deadpool as the character on the back, and now we're switching directly to MODOK. Is there, is there any reason for that? Are we going to see differences on the card backs every wave now, or is there going to be some sort of rhyme or reason to that? Um, I think the rhyme or reason, as it was set, was chaos. Uh, I, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's literally uh, our entire, uh, our extended team, which reach, reaches over to our uh, creative packages, uh, packaging uh, division. And uh, they're working with us to come up with uh, ideas of, uh, I think in year one it was uh, Nick Fury, and he was like the whole year. Now they're just having so much more fun by just diving into deeper realms of Marvel lore and just kind of mixing it up. Uh, as far as, as now... Uh, Marvel Universe 4 is new for me to be focusing my eyes on as well. So I don't have all of the history of the lore of the ifs, ands, and buts, but I believe we're trying to keep a lot of that flavor and fun of just, you know, trying to surprise you. Um, we, you know, we surprised an Uber fan who had never even known that hit monk. And this guy is one of those Uber guys, and we hit him with a curveball right to the side of the head when he saw hit monkey, and he was thumped. So and we just know. we just put him in the case. Yeah. We didn't wait to the because our panel's so late in the week that we didn't want to hold everything back into the panel. Because a lot of people have left and a lot of people have done their tours, and so every day, you know, Dwight's been putting in someone one or two new characters in both of the cases, and you can tell the collectors come back every day. Uh, they know, they they know, and they they've appreciated it. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, we'll see you at the panel. A pleasure. Nice to meet you both. Thanks. Nice to you as well. Have fun at the show. Okay. As for panel was on Saturday afternoon and that's I think that might be a little late hopefully next year if they want to have some surprises and whatnot they can get an earlier day maybe Friday or something because it seems like everything was already shown in the booth by the time Saturday rolled around so there was a few surprises in there and as far as Marvel Universe goes we've seen everything that they've talked about because you know we have three waves that we've been seeing for about a year now that are all ready to roll and hopefully like they said in the interview the distribution will get unblocked and we'll start to get these out at stores pretty soon marvel legends was really the big story they they're really talking about how well it's doing they were all shocked at the numbers coming in on marvel legends and they continue to keep going with it in the future and one of the things that we found out in the interviews and on the panel is instead of doing Build-A-Figures throughout the lines, they're going to miniaturize Build-A-Figures with those three pieces. And the first one is Monkey Max. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to admit, and I'm not going to feel bad about it, because they said it in the interview, hardcore people don't know who he is. I don't know who he is, but I think he looks cool. He's like James Bond the monkey. It's like Planet of the Apes Bond films. Yeah, I, I have no idea who he is either, and I think he's cool. I like the concept. I like what possibilities this brings doing mini Build-A-Figures in a line. But they also revealed that the Mighty Mugs are kind of coming back. Like if you took the DNA of Mighty Mugs and then spliced it into a Brendle Fly type of contraption and went into a really weird kind of bad cloning Ripley 6 kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to tell from the picture the, on the slideshow that they showed. But I wouldn't get too excited if you're a Mini Mug fan or a Mighty Mug fan because from what I can tell, if you look at these things, they're only about two inches tall and they look to be made out of hard plastic and they have a stand on them affixed to them 
And if you look them from straight on, they look like a mini mug. You know, the round head, the arm shape, and all that stuff. But you turn them sideways, and their profile is squished. It's like somebody sat on a mini mug. So it sounds to me it's more like those chibis, because they're going to be blind bagged. And they only showed Iron Man ones. So I don't know if it's going to be an Iron Man thing for next year, or if they're going to try to do it and see how well it goes, and maybe move into more Marvel properties. But to me, it's kind of a eh. Well, this makes me very sad because I love the mugs and I love the mini ones and the full size. And I do love blind box. Not going to lie, I love blind packaging. I think it's a lot of fun. But I didn't care for the chibis or any of that. At least they're coming with stands. Those chibis don't stand. I mean, what am I supposed to do with the action figure, an inaction figure, a statue, a piece that won't stand? Got to lean it against a wall and then they fall over. Kind of a pain. It is disappointing because there are so many Mighty Mugs that were shown at Comic-Cons in previous years, like Juggernaut and some of those others that never came out. No Mighty Mug exclusive here or anything. Now, in the Q&A, Barrett of Marvelicious Toys asked about Fing Fang Foom. Yeah, and, you know, with the with most of the members up there of Hasbro's Marvel team being new, a few of them looked like they had never heard of this, which was a little, little scary to me that it's not being too much talked about internally there. But Dwight, the, one of the team leaders on Marvel Legends, knew what we were talking about. I think he's been there for a while. And he gave a pretty good answer, no direct answer on when or where we can help to find it, but they are hoping to get it out there in the future, whether it's be a con exclusive sometime in the future or maybe even a store exclusive, but they do hope to get it out there. And the reason they didn't bring it this year is because they already had the Super Helicarrier in that huge price point slot, and they didn't want to knock us over the head with two big price point items. Oh, come on, knock me over the head with Fing Fang Foom. Especially if he's orange. Now, looking at the stuff in the case, first of all, their diorama, major props to whoever built that thing. I love the compartments. I love all the detail. I love that they snuck some Easter eggs in there, like Cobra Commander conferring with Magneto, and a couple of figures that have never been announced, like Purple Man and in his business suit, Norman Osborn. Just... It, it's diabolical that they would not put figures in the case, but you gotta just parse every figure in this to see what's new. Well, some of that scares me because some of that may just be customizing going on for the purpose of the diorama. That's we just won't know until they announce because they had a whole bunch of Doom bots that looked like they were just using the Ultron body and possibly a new head. Hey, it suddenly got quieter here. But so much stuff being shown, and I have to say, they've renewed my love for Marvel Universe. Talking about how there's going to be so many figures coming, seeing carded Puck, seeing the new Beast, seeing the comic packs that come, and the Rhino kind of looks like a reback of that old Spider-Man Rhino, but it's just a much better paint job. Yeah, I mean, you you said it. Even though we didn't see any really new product, I mean, there are a few surprises here and there that they put out that we didn't know about coming into the con. It's really exciting to see him in person and see him carded because, like you said, Puck, it's hard to tell how big he is. When you Once you see him on a card, you realize how small this little guy is. It's It's pretty exciting. He's like a little mini midget wrestler, like an old-school wrestler with his little outfit. He's really tiny. He's like, what, two inches? Yeah, I'd say that's six inches. (laughs) 
And talking about Rhino, there is, like you said, a, a pack with, it looks like a repaint of the Spider-Man Rhino, but there's also a classic Rhino coming out. Did you see that one on the shelf above it? Yeah, I did. So, yeah, we're getting Rhino love, and, you know, I was surprised with, you know, there's a lot of Spider-Man coming if you just look at the list, but, you know, it's the Future Foundation Spider-Man, and then we get this weird comic pack where it's, like, inverted Future Foundation Spider-Man, which looks pretty cool, you know? So there's a lot of neat things coming out, and one one variant that they haven't announced, and they teased it a little bit in the panel, but you can see it in the diorama, is Blastar coming out with translucent arms. I know that's up your alley. <laughs> like I said, anytime they make something translucent, I'm 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 on it. So I was pretty excited to see that. We are not going to New York Comic Con this year. At least Marjorie and I aren't. I don't know, Justin, if you were that's in your cards. Yeah, probably not, you know, but they did say if you are going to New York Comic Con and you're ready to renew your online digital comics, they have a new exclusive figure and this year it's Old Man Logan with a baby Hulk. So that's pretty sweet. And the baby Hulk, if you're a Star Wars collector too, it looked like it was the baby Luke and Leia from a few years ago. Same little swaddled up baby with a maybe a new head on there. But it it looks pretty neat. Old man Logan Logan looks all disgruntled and grumpy and gray haired, so and they usually do that sign up for the digital comics at C2E2 because it's the same people that run the both conventions. So if you don't go to New York Comic Con and you're in Chicago or near Chicago, you can easily get it there. I have some friends who work on other shows we do, Republic Forces Radio Network, RepublicForces.com, who will be at New York Comic Con taking some pictures for us, and I believe they're going. And I may have them renew my DCU subscription because this year, yeah, you could sign up for Marvel Comics, but they did not have the Doom. They had the Archangel figure again. No, no, they did have the Doom. They just didn't have them here because I decided that, you know, just got the email saying 30% off. So if you're thinking about doing it, do it right now because it's $42 for the year, which is a great price. And they're still giving away the unmasked Dr. Doom. So I went up to the Marvel booth earlier in the week, and I talked to one gal who was there, and I said, hey, you know, I'll sign up now. Do you have the figures here? She's like, oh, yeah, we got them in the back. I'm like, awesome. So I start going through the whole process of trying to do this on the con floor, working with a Windows machine. I get about halfway done, and then a different chick comes over and she starts talking to me. I'm like, yeah, I'm signing up and, you know, getting ready to click accept and all that. And I just did it and the little thing starts spinning. I'm like, so when do I get my figures? She's like, oh, we mail them out. I'm like, you don't have them here? She's like, no, no, no. I'm like, great. So I just signed up for It's not no reason. I guess I don't have to pay shipping and handling. So that's that's that. But I'm still excited to have a chance to get that. And then after this con, starting at New York Comic Con, is when the Old Man Logan is going to become the, the free giveaway. And that's really exciting. I just read Old Man Logan because I won that Venomsaurus, and I'm like, all right, I got to know what the hell this is. And I'd heard good things about Old Man Logan. Actually, it feels a little bit like somebody said, hey, you remember that 1980s comic, The Dark Knight Returns? Uh, we should do that with Wolverine. <laughs> and you can hear my review of Dark Knight Returns at booksandnachos.com. I'm going to plug them all the show, folks. But... <laughs> I did enjoy the comic, and knowing what I know about it, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, but that's a great little pack-in with the Baby Hulk. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, and he's got this cool leather jacket on, so it looks like, I mean, it was just a quick shot, and I'm sure we have a nice picture of it to look at, but just from a quick glance, I couldn't see too many recycled parts. It might be an all-new figure. And we talked a bit about the Legends and their minifigure, build-a-figures, 
But some great figures coming out. Real excited for the two She-Hulks that look just astounding. Oh, yeah. this I mean, it was fun the way they did it this year. You know, they kept putting out something new here and there every day. And the first day we were here, they had the red She-Hulk out there, which was really awesome looking. And then the next day, they put out Savage She-Hulk, which is the green She-Hulk in a, in a red outfit. And I got to tell you, the... The quality on these things just keeps improving. I was talking to Dwight from the Hasbro team the other day, and he was telling us that, you know, as as members of Hasbro, they share the same concerns we do as collectors, and it sounds like they're on the same page as we are as fans. And they look at the things that come back from the factory, and they're disappointed in the same small things that we are. You know, they noticed that the initial Madam Hydra face sculpt was a little too pinched, but, you know, they had to go with it. But the same thing happened with the upcoming Punisher, and since they had a little bit more time, they sent it back, and they wanted to make sure it was right. So, you know, they're out there looking out for us as collectors, and they want it to look as good as possible. And, you know, we're getting the best product we can from them. And Legends is exceptionally popular. We got all of our exclusives the first night, but the Legends X4 set, no surprise, was the one that we're recording this Saturday night, the only one of the exclusives of Marvel that sold out. Yeah, and, you know, it's got some... I'd say it's okay packaging. I mean, it's nothing super spectacular. They did what they could with it. It's neat looking. I'm glad to have the figures, even though they're all, all three of them in there are coming this year in the line as repaints. We're very close to what it looks like in the box. Yeah, it's no mint and hammer, but I do like how Archangel has his wings all spread out like that. The Masters of Evil 3-pack was nice. Talking about packaging, though, I think we said the night we bought it, I bought one to keep mint in package. I may end up going to the forums and offering that up at cost plus shipping because it's the same box as every three-pack I've got at a Walmart, which is a cool box, but I don't keep anything else in a box. I keep the special boxes. I keep the mini mugs that were in, like, the Empire State Building box. I keep the hammer box. This, it's the Walmart box. I can break it down and fold it up with the others. I think it's very telling that the helicarrier didn't sell out because I know people were anticipating it, but I think that it was just very expensive. It was hard to carry, and shipping it, as we talked about, oh, my God, it's almost as much as buying it. So I wonder if that stopped a lot of people from getting it. It was just just too big. Yeah, and, you know, that is the one thing that they had out for the Marvel line that was one per per visitor. So maybe that helped, you know. I mean, because, I mean, if we look at it this way, if it's still available now, anybody who's here as a fan still has a chance of getting it. We all know what a cluster that Hasbro line is. So that's, that's good and bad. I mean, I don't think it's bad for the line, but you're right. It's just, it's a cumbersome thing to lug around throughout the con. Well, we can check out all the pictures there, but We were kind of speculating earlier about Hot Toys and what that armor was in Iron Man. Well, (laughs) when the sound went away, Marjorie and I had a bit of an experience. First of all, we got into a press conference with Robert Downey Jr. And Kevin Feige, who is the mastermind behind the Marvel Universe, and Shane Black, director of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Great movie. You should check it out. Gay Perry. Yes, Val Kilmer and awesome. Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. Batman and Iron Man together again, trying to figure out who has m- too much money. <laughs> and Don Cheadle, an actor who I've loved since Picket Fences, was there in the press conference. I got a question in. Here it is. All right, everybody, let's get started. Please welcome director Shane Black. 
actors Don Cheadle and Robert A. Hewitt. That's the best one. <laughs> First question. Hi, Ed Douglas from Superhero Hype. Uh, Avengers had such great action at the end of great set pieces, and I was curious, what's the pressure uh, for Iron Man 3 to have either bigger set pieces um, and just make it you know, up, to, up to that par? Well, I, it's not that we're not aiming for bigger necessarily. We're aiming for different and fresh and new. And Shane, the new director of this movie, if you want to talk more about that. Yeah, um, fresh, different, but yeah, big. Uh, you know, there is a, a, an idea about being big, but to me, it's an idea about capturing and uh, redoubling the intensity that the Avengers managed to capture. That sort of lightning in a bottle feel of, of really stuffing so much into a limited space. We're trying to get as much in this as we can. Romney refers to it as leaving all on the field. And I think that's what we're looking to do, is just get a, a ton of thrills in a short space and make a nice little stew for you. <laughs> Hi, uh, for Kevin and for Shane, uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the uh, Iron Patriot rumors, uh, the picture that was online, and how that actually fits into the film. Keep the straight face down. <laughs> Shane, do you want to talk about that again? Yes, I believe they were online. They were online. Uh, the, the fun thing, the, the, the not fun thing is that it's online, and you don't have a whole lot of control over that stuff anymore. The fun thing is, the reason it was online, because it's a real practical suit, and it was on the set, and somebody took a picture of it. It's, a, it's an actually an awesomely designed suit, um, and it's a suit that uh, Mr. Cheadle does get to wear uh, at certain points in the movie. And at certain points on the set, maybe not as fun. <laughs> not as fun on the set as it will be in the movie. <laughs> The more uncomfortable for the actor, the more satisfying for the audience. Um, but the good news and the fun thing for us, by the way, just in terms of the fans and the fan blogs, is just how much of all the guessing is so wrong. Completely <laughs> off base. So we're happy to be. I, I said, let's just get someone in there to walk around as the most obscure Marvel villain ever to get some costume at Kmart and have that show up. You know. But we, we love the rumors. We love that. That's fun. I'm going all the way in the front on your right for Shane. You've written a lot of big movies uh, for other directors and producers. Did that prepare you for directing your own big movie? And what surprised you being on the director side of that equation? Um, what, what surprised me, frankly, was just how much generous help was available to me. It made it as, as easy as, as it could be. John Favreau, available to give me all kinds of tips and advice. You know, and uh, it just made like walking off of one sort of uh, platform onto another and uh, gave me the, the sort of transitional feel I needed. And Marvel has such an effective special effects machine that they could walk me through this process, hold my hand, and pretty much ensure that I was free to concentrate on story, character, and, uh, and scale. And, and they just told I said, I want to do this. They said, here's how you do it. And within a week. I knew these guys are terrific. They've do, done this a lot. They do it all the time. For, uh, for Robert and Shane, how did the, the storyline and the success of the Avengers impact what you guys want to do in this movie? And also for Robert, what were the sides of Tony Stark that you wanted to dig into for this one? Um, 
Well, kind of like what's already been said, you know, Avengers even, I think, surprised us to a certain extent. Um, looking back on it, you can kind of dissect why it was the, the right movie with the right people, the right director at the right time, and, and we feel the same way about this now. Um, I feel that um, that Rhodey and Tony had not entirely been explored as much as they might be, and uh, and that in the, in the comics was always a big part of it, and, and to me, some a heart of what was great about it. And also, we try to be practical in a post-Avengers world. What are his challenges now, and what are some limitations that might be placed on him, and what sort of threat would have him, as usual, ignore those limitations. And, and, and truthfully, I mean, the way to go about, I think, doing a three, if you're ever in that position, as I'm lucky enough to be, you've got to find a way that the first two aren't done yet. You have to make find a way that the story that's emerging is still ongoing, and by the time you finish three, it will have emerged as something resembling the culmination of the trilogy. In other words, how is the story not yet been completely told? And I think we're getting there. I think we've really found ways to make this feel organic and new based on what's come before and that's what I'm happy about. Against the ball here, This question's for uh, Shane and Kevin. Um, Iron Man 2 kind of really set up pieces for the Avengers movie, so how is Iron Man 3 going to kind of uh, focus on Iron Man rather than setting up the next Avengers? Well, I've already said that, that this, is a, this is a very Tony Stark-centric film, meaning not just Tony, but his world with Pepper, with Rhodey. Um, it was important to us, as part of sort of the grand plan, if you will, from Iron Man 1 to Avengers, was about building that up. Frankly, the first step of the grand plan with Iron Man 3 is to prove they're just as interesting, if not more so, by themselves as they were when they were all together in the Avengers. So Iron Man 3, by uh, design, is a very serious character study. About, it's not a serious movie, but we seriously dug into exploring more of Tony, of Rhodey, of Pepper, um, without calling S.H.I.E.L.D. and calling Thor, and I think Cap should be here in five minutes or any, any of that fun. What are you on the right against the wall? Any questions for Captain Planet? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what What were you thinking? I love it. I obviously wasn't thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, the guys over here, uh, Mark Walters of BigFanboy.com. I was actually going to ask if there was a Captain Planet sequel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I did want to ask you, Robert, uh, about being able to reteam with Shane on this after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the dynamic that you guys have together, working together, and what that was able to sort of bring to this particular production to, you know, kind of make it uh, unique and different and uh, what the flavor was there. Yeah. Well, I've known Shane for a while. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was one of my favorite experiences. The script was practically perfect, but we improvised anyway. Um, you improvised anyway. <laughs> and, um, I mean, even just this time around, I've been saying this all day, it's kind of everybody is all, we've made enough mistakes all together that we're all kind of really um, seasoned at this point. And I think that uh, the, the main thing is Shane's uh, storytelling. And the the kind of um, emotional depth that happens without taking itself too seriously is kind of what John had set up. There was times when Favreau and I and Don would be calling Shane when we had a big scene the next day. He actually, he asked, his payment once was he asked that we pick him up a piece of salmon and some fresh blueberries. So he became known as code word blueberries <laughs> uh, after that. And he's, he's working for about the, the uh, about the same fee now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right back here, 
Aaron Sagers, uh, for Robert, how many more generations does this suit have to go through before you think, you know, it's really kind of there, that that is the suit, that that's going to be the ultimate um, suit that you wear? And also for Don, are we going to see you really suit up again? Uh, I do suit up. Um, there are some different uh, iterations that uh, War Machine goes through in this film. I don't want to give away, but it's uh, it's fun to see those things sort of morph and shift. And the Iron Man suit is really uh, spectacular in this one, I think. The, the innovation that's happened with it. I liked in the comics, too, that there was a, a bit of uh, suit envy between... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, it's great that one suit is a private enterprise, the other's military owned. So you got you got two Iron Men in essence, you know, private sector and uh, government guy. Yeah, and for some reason or other, he's still the one they trust. <laughs> By the way, I, I also find it really interesting that there were actually fans today who had anger that the suit was gold. I mean, all the things in the world you get angry about. <laughs> so many more. <laughs> so um, this is kind of a combo question for Robert and Shane. Uh, you're so good at having kind of dark and gritty films, um, and you're so good at playing darker aspects of the character. Will we get to see any more sides like we did in Iron Man 2 of Tony's dark side coming before in this one? Yeah, I think that's the big idea. Um, but also, you know, interestingly enough, th this film is a, is a, has a lot of breadth to it, as well as uh, we realize, you know, at the beginning of Iron Man 2, Tony's dying, wow, uh, and then he has a party, and then he's drunk, wow. And some people are going, like, we don't like him. Um, there's a way to uh, enjoy all of that kind of shadowy stuff. And still, um, we were just we just kept thinking about what is it? What would it really be like if this guy was in this country? And where else could he go in this country? And what sorts of themes and backdrops could we explore? And I think that uh, if you look to the history of the the films that Shane's written and he's directed, um, there's a real there's a real desire for me, just as someone who loves movies, to a hearkening back to some of those. Um, themes in, in mainstream films, and they will occur in Iron Man 3. Right, although Tony won't fall off the wagon. Uh, we're just saying, no, no, look, actually... You haven't seen my rewrites. <laughs> <laughs> Way in the back of the left Brody picks him up at Betty Ford, scene two. <laughs> <laughs> That's in, that made it in. <laughs> Great. Thank you all for coming today. Avengers rules, Dark Knight rules. Uh, for Shane Black, uh, can you talk about it all, uh, filming uh, part of the movie in China and uh, how China will come out in uh, parts of the story at all? And also, please make my Marvel. Thank you. Um, except for the last one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I assume that when the plates crew goes over to China to film the plates while I'm by my swimming pool, that it will go uh, seemingly well. Um, there's been this, it's, it's weird because we're not. We're, we're not really going to China. Can I say that? You just did. We're yeah. not going to China. <laughs> we made a deal. Well, this is why I love Shane. He says it and then turns to give it an ass if he can say it. <laughs> if, you remember, if you remember in Iron Man 2, there's a great sequence in Monaco, a racetrack, and Whiplash uh, comes out and cuts his car in half. Many, many crew members went to Monaco. The first unit didn't, Robert didn't. It's a similar sort of 
how we would imagine that will be occurring in, uh, in this case. Yeah, we're basically resetting aspects of the film in China. Right. We won't be filming there, but don't tell anybody because the first unit won't be filming. Yeah. yeah. That stays in this room. <laughs> <laughs> in the second room. We take it for granted over on your else left. Uh, we take it for granted now that the Avengers was an incredibly ambitious project. Uh, talk about the process of ensuring the, the lore of the previous films and also this film uh, doesn't step on the toes of any larger Marvel projects. You mean the storyline of Iron Man 3? Yes. No, I mean Iron Man 3 is the beginning of the next phase, so it will set the tone in a lot of ways, so it doesn't have... Uh, you know, certainly Tony's journey and things could could spin forward, but it's a it's a it's as self-contained story as we've done since Iron Man One. Can I bring that? I'm sorry, but when does when does the kid with the, the Sharpie goatee get to ask a question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man Junior. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. Thank you. I'll go first. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for being here. Aaron Tillman, Dating Advice Girl. Just wondering how important romance is to the story of Iron Man 2 and 3, and will there be more romance in Iron Man 3? I think, I think essentially, thanks. That's his lover calling me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the remarkable thing that John Favreau managed to do when he forged these kinds of movies is he established a precedent of espionage, high-tech, kind of Top Gun-style thrills coupled with romantic comedy in a strange way. And it's always sort of been the mainstay of these movies. So that's part of my favorite thing about it, too. Um, the romance is definitely a part of this. And obviously, we've got Gwyneth coming back, and time has passed. And you know, in the Avengers, Gwyneth and Tony are together and doing great and living together and so yeah, and Kevin said, there's never been a movie like this where um, where your your lead guy is in a relationship the girl is going home to every night, who's kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow, telling him what to do. Um, however, Rhodes is single. So we're going to get a lot of money. <laughs> what do you do about that? Is this a dating service? <laughs> <laughs> Um, with everything coming out with Avengers and now just to be coming out with you know the Thor movie, another you know the Captain America and of course Iron Man three, how do you guys keep it going, keep it fresh for the audience without having to feel like oh my gosh I'm overloaded by all these Marvel films coming out? Well, I've been in Marvel for 12 years now, and I, you know we've had that concern going back to uh, you know when X Men came out and two years later Spider Man came out and in one year there were three and. The the, uh, the 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 trick, the formula, if there is one, is just try to make great movies. Try to make them all great, all different, all fresh. I think what you'll see in Iron Man three, Shane three, this is some very unique uh, plot points and very unique uh, directions that we're taking the character in the franchise. It, same thing uh, with Thor. Same thing with Cap. Um, as long as they're all feel fresh and you don't start falling into some sort of formulaic mold. Uh, I, think, you know, I hope. And I'm going to say, based on that too, that what Kevin is, is basically telling you is that we we're allowed to take some risks, and I think that's very notable. I think it's very admirable in a superhero movie to be able to take a, a few risks. That's why I wanted to do this. What do you My question is for Kevin Arnold with Marvelicious Toys. 
love Shane Black and work with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but being such a smaller film and Iron Man and the, the Avengers universe in general being so expansive, what made you know he was the right choice to step in and pick up this project? Well, he's a great storyteller. He's a great storyteller. He had a great relationship with, with Robert, and his movie was one of the things that John and I kept going back to when we were casting Tony Stark uh, many years ago. So it, it, it made a lot of sense to us, and we knew Joss hadn't done his movie, uh, movie as big as Avengers before we hired two Avengers. As, as Shane was already saying, we're confident in the infrastructure that we can provide filmmakers, uh, whether they've dealt with something on the scale or not. I'll just say that we're going to give you copies. <laughs> You a cheap kid. I was cheap. <laughs> I'm afraid this has to be the last question. The young man with the... Uh, ah, perfect. <laughs> Fine. Perfect. No question. This is going to be a great <laughs> question. <laughs> Can someone help me get this off? For Thank you. How does it feel to be a hero in all the movies? Great question. <laughs> this is going to be a great answer. <laughs> Um, well, I think I speak for uh, any of us who get to, you know, live in this world. And, and uh, there was just one of these uh, photo things, a bunch of kids, I think, who participated, showed up as, as Iron Man. There's a couple of war machines there. And there's something about it that you just go, wow, what a great opportunity. So it is a, um, I don't know, it's, a, it's an odd thing, you know. Uh, I take it as seriously as Shakespeare. <laughs> But that was before the big Marvel event. And the big Marvel event, we were very lucky to get in, got in. I have a history of bad luck at Hall H Marvel events. I never get into these. I've missed Iron Man 2. I missed Avengers, the that, that still kills me that I missed Avengers when they all came on stage. Yeah, but we got to see Ghost Rider, Arnie. It was a great time for me to take a nap. Yeah, I see Ghost Rider. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's karma right there, I think. But we got in for this one. I may have spent all my karma points, but oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my freaking god. But they ended with Iron Man 3. They started... And, Justin, we're going to tell you the news that we heard. First of all, they have four films in active development. We know about Iron Man 3. Then there's Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Whoa. Very interesting. Nice. So Bucky gets to grow up, huh? Yeah. Apparently, he didn't die just like in the... Well, we don't know what they're going to do. They always mix it up a little for the movies. But... It is a little bit different than what we saw before. Then they teased the next Thor movie. Also, it's not Thor 2 the way it's not Captain America 2. It's Thor The Dark World. Hmm, I'm not sure if I know what that is, to be honest with you. That makes two of us. Our listeners can tell me which comics to read. I'm reading Civil War right now. I'm trying to pick up on that some. So tell me what comics to read so I know what to expect from that so I can be as excited about that as I am the Winter Soldier. Then it is confirmed August of 14, Guardians of the Galaxy. Aw, Groot. <laughs> That's a new f- phrase, folks. Aw, Groot. It's, it's the new aw, snap. 
So, yeah, um, I asked you earlier if we saw any footage because I have concerns about an animated raccoon, you know. It, it could kill the movie or it could take the movie to all new heights, but as soon as we can see what Rocket Raccoon is going to look like in action and a walking, talking tree, then I'll get excited. Justin, how do you think they're going to look? Let's be honest here. Have you seen Rocky and Bullwinkle, the live-action movie? I'm just thinking of the hot toy. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. And then we could, you know, I can make you a hot toy, a Groot, right now. I'll just go downstairs and pick one of the plants out of the planter, and <laughs> we're halfway there. But then Iron Man 3. Okay, first of all, I have to say, Robert Downey Jr. is... Iron Man. He is Tony Stark because he had the best entrance I've ever seen at any panel at any convention I've ever been to. They bring the director up and he's up there talking. They start playing Luther Vandross music. The lights go down and all of a sudden here comes Downey. From the back. Yeah, from the back. Going through the crowd with, of course, security guards all around him with an Iron Man glove on and they've got a camera following him and he's doing the repulsor move and he is dancing. He's hamming for the camera and just fantastic. He gets up there. He is one cocky son of a bitch and he totally did Tony Stark up on the stage and it was great. Yeah, he said, I have three questions. One, how much do you love me? (laughs) It was like a total love fest and he knew people were there to see him only and it it was fantastic was he goateed yeah they're midway through filming so he was in full stark mode Cheadle, though he's an underrated comedian he was really funny up there nobody asked him any questions you guys thought we made a lot of dick jokes (laughs) well what happened was somebody asked Downey how long does it take to get in your suit and he goes oh it's much faster than it used to be. He turns to Cheadle, how long does it take yours? And he goes, half an hour. And down he goes, well, mine's five minutes. And Cheadle just goes, racism. (laughs) And Tony Stark says, yeah, but his has the bigger guns. (laughs) Very true. I wonder if they're going to, you know, get any modifications going for War Machine. Because you know how they like to tinker with Iron Man. We get two or three suits per movie. I wonder if we're going to just stick up with the straight old War Machine or if we're going to start seeing some new suits there, too. Maybe an Iron Patriot suit because I got a good shot of it in the footage they showed and it's got a couple big Gatling guns like you know who the Iron Patriot suit's a bit of a gag in the film it's not a character there's no Iron Patriot you're not going to see Norman Osborn raise the mask it's a bit of a gag that's occurring so it very well could be War Machines touted out with the red white and blues yeah kind of like in in Captain America how the original USO outfit was kind of a gag in the movie so i can see that but the footage showed him unleashing the mark 8 for the first time Ooh, any confirmation on what it type of armor it is or well i think again i'm looking to our listeners to maybe point me in a direction here but he is talking to his first seven suits and says, we're going to show you your new baby brother. Badass baby brother. Ah, badass baby brother. Use on the camera. You know, I don't know where dummy is. But then he just turns and strikes a pose and sticks out his arm. And I'm like, oh, crap. Is it just going to come out of his skin? Are they really doing it? Can they sell it? No. So it didn't grow out of just the glove? It didn't. Instead, it 
you know how the lasso just kind of formed around him? Now, piece by piece, it hurls itself at him and forms. Like, the arm just smacked onto his arm and became the arm, and then another arm, then the leg, and it's kind of slapsticky and really funny because, you know, it's kind of like the oh yeah, I can fly scene when he's first burning up all his cars. Nothing ever goes right quite in the beta test for Tony Stark. Well, then that sounds like they might be doing a mashup of the Extremis and the modular armor into one ultimate suit. And that's why it doesn't look like either of them, but kind of looks like both of them. Yeah, they show that, and then they show Tony Stark's world going to hell. Ooh, so are we maybe seeing Demon in a Bottle? Is that... No, more like a bunch of choppers missling his house and it falls off the cliff with him in it. Ooh, shnikes. <laughs> and then when you think the footage is done, there's a little bit more. There's Ben Kingsley, and he's wearing ten rings. Are we getting Gandhi too? <laughs> <laughs> it was confirmed despite their previous denials, he is the Mandarin. Oh, did he have a little Mandarin mustachio? He did, and he had the little top-knot hair and everything. Hmm, wasn't he also Ming? Was that Ben Kingsley? Ming, I don't know what that is. From Flash Gordon? I don't know. I'd have to IMDB that one. I don't don't think it was, but Ming kind of looks like Mandarin. But then they also teased what's coming after Iron Man 3. Edgar Wright came out. John Favreau, who is returning in a bigger role as Happy Hogan, and I mean that in terms of screen time, but I might mean that in other ways, but he called Edgar Wright Russell Brand. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it. (laughs) But Ant-Man is in the works. There's no release date. There's no actor, but they showed us test footage shot just a couple weeks ago that was just, what would happen if there was an Ant-Man? How would this work? How would we make it? How would we sell the action? How would we sell the hot toys? Maybe, maybe you know, showing it here is a way to gauge interest and all that. Because remember, they have talked about doing direct-to-DVD releases of some of these movies. So that's not to say that Ant-Man is a future theatrical release. Okay, the footage we saw, and I apologize to any of you diehard Ant-Man fans out there. Sorry, Grant Morris. Very sorry, Grant, but... It looked really silly. It was very comical and kind of like a Mr. Bean superhero, the way he like flies in the guy's mouth and his mouth all goes blah, blah, and like is all wavy and then he turns into a big person and it's and then he flies turns small again and goes to the guy's tie and grabs a tie, flips into a big guy and flows him through the window. I, I, I was I don't know. I Here's the thing that I gotta give it is I had to explain to you during this it's Edgar Wright. Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Think that Scott Pilgrim vibe where it's exciting, but it's not meant to be taken exactly seriously. I didn't think it was exciting. It honestly reminded me of the old 70s movies when people would be small. Like like the Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. It seemed very cheesy in 70s and not like, because I like Scott Pilgrim and I love Shaun of the Dead, but this just didn't do it for me. I wonder if it's because this was test footage and when you saw Ant-Man running, he didn't look like he was with the others. You could see a different background. You could see the matting that they did. It was very, very rough. Okay, but he's wearing this really weird red suit with silver things coming out of it and this little spaceman helmet. It looks silly. And it looked like a mech suit from Tony Stark. It did not look like the Ant-Man jumpsuit. Well, that could be kind of cool. And if what maybe what they're trying to do is, if they can make this movie work, that means that eventually we're going to get Ant-Man and Wasp in the next Avengers. 
Yeah, because Downey would not confirm any participation in any Marvel movie after Iron Man 3. They said that they need to back up a Brinks truck and unload it. And they said, well, we'll give you the truck. Yeah, but here's the thing. No one can say that they wouldn't enjoy the attention. He got 7,500 people out of their seats screaming and yelling and just going crazy for him. Not Don Cheadle or John Favreau, but for Robert Downey Jr. Well, needless to say, this has been a phenomenal Comic-Con. We are going to be talking more about the reveals here for months to come. In our next issue, in two weeks, we will be back and have much more to discuss and as we get to process all this and as you guys get to read about all of it and see whatever's released of course they won't release any of the footage thank god i was there because i would just be i I don't know if i could console myself i was so upset after the avengers and Stuart's like oh it wasn't that cool when sam jackson and chris evans and chris hemsworth and robert downey and jeremy renner and all walked out on stage it was it's okay that you missed it while i was in there (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see, I'm not a huge fan of big crowds. I'm super jealous you guys got in. I would have, I would have given my left arm, maybe, to get in. <laughs> but no, yeah, my head is still spinning and swimming with visions of all the Marvel goodness we saw. So I can't wait till the next time when we can talk about it more and dig in a little deeper. Well, I did take about 2,000 photographs of these panels, so sorry, Jeff and Jen. Most of them are out of focus or blurry, if it helps. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, guys. (laughs) Well, that is it for our Comic-Con coverage. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Marjorie's birthday, August 1st. I'm not working on my birthday. Justin, we need to unionize. We do need to unionize. It'll be me and Arnie coming back. (laughs) Maybe we'll have a different lady joining us on that show. Ooh, all right. I'm going to head to the strip club and start recruiting. Until next time, true collectors. Make mine marvelicious. Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help our show by leaving a positive review for the show on iTunes. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. At the site, you can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for Marvel toys, talk and trade with the Marvelicious forums, and much more. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. We want to hear your thoughts on Marvel collectibles. You can leave reports of your latest toy finds, as well as product reviews, on our voicemail at 803-MARVEL-4. Or email an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at MarveliciousToys.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Arnie Carvalho. Podcast enhancement by Barrett. Marvelicious website design by Jason. Graphic design by Justin. Announcements by Brock. The Marvelicious theme song, Bam Pow Kablam, is composed by Joe Harrison. See more of Joe's work at www.starwarsfanworks.com slash lionsmouth. If you also like Star Wars, Star Wars Collecting is covered weekly at our other podcast, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at SWActionNews.com. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved.
on TV. Well, hey, say hi real quick. Hi, my name is Xavier. If you're still alive, I'm going to be the 15th president of the United States. Well, it's very nice meeting you. I hope I am still alive. I hope so, too. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, we just got blog. Uh, we we just got podcast bombed. <laughs> Bob bomb. Yeah, little guy walks up and says, "I want to be on TV." It's like, all right. <laughs> so, anyhow.